Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome, guys, to a very special episode of the Followers of the Force podcast. I'm your host, David Triana, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, the author of both Star Wars Dark Legends and Star Wars Myths and Fables, Mr. George Mann. George, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well, indeed. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it, and I am so excited to talk to you about these two books because it's something that I haven't read personally in Star Wars very often and the way you wrote these books is absolutely fantastic so um, I guess we'll just start at the beginning in terms of your relationship with Star Wars how were you introduced to Star Wars oh wow so um, at a very young age I was introduced to Star Wars when Empire Strikes Back first came out of the cinema okay um, so I was I was too young for the first movie mm-hmm. um, in fact I was, I was I was born in 78 so missed the first movie but the second movie, as a as a little kid, my granddad um, took me to to watch it, and he it was a regular thing. He used to take me to the cinema to watch movies all the time, and um, we sat and watched Empire Strikes Back. And although I don't really remember from from that in, like encounter with the movie, the details of the film, I, you know, I was, I was right. very small. It's the visuals that stick with me. The the scrolling kind of um, opening yep. titles, you know, R two D two. Um, lightsabers, the you know the full Darth Vader, the full works really, and um, it um, it just it jammed in my mind, I think. Um, and as I got old, I started getting the toys almost immediately, mm-hmm. um, and recreating like scenes, you know, with my cousin. We used to kind of run around the sofa playing out <laughs> battles with the with the, right. the, all the models. Um, and um, as I got older, I you know obviously Return of the Jedi came out. I started reading the comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, older still i started reading some of the, the the books and it just my love affair with star wars continued from that point on really and, and, and continues to this day yeah and that's always such a great thing to hear is just the different ways everybody was introduced to this whole thing because whether it was you saw it in the movies for the first time or at home or you came to it a lot later like there's so many different entry points now to star wars sure. that now it could even be a series of books um so as an author, I mean, what intrigued you the most about getting to work in this galaxy as a fan and then just now in a professional sense? Okay, so um, I think they're, two, they're actually two different things. I think mm-hmm. as a fan, it was just that idea of being able to contribute something new just to the Star Wars, you know, to this kind of epic story that's been rolling and rolling for decades right. and, um, and has been such a part of my life. It, it's to be able to contribute something that meaningful to that yeah. um, was a, was a huge, huge thing. It's like, 
but you, ha- you almost have to put that aside as a professional writer to, to then sit at your keyboard because otherwise you freeze, you know. Right. You, you, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? The first time I, I write, type the word lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd had a similar but um, experience with Doctor Who when I was, when I was because Doctor Who was a, a big part of my um, youth as well. Right. And I got to write some professional Doctor Who. And it was that, that similar thing when I first typed the word TARDIS. But mm-hmm. um, when you get to Star Wars and, and everything, it's so iconic and you're writing about Darth Vader and you're thinking, how, you know, how can I be sat here in my little house in you know, Barraby in, um, in, in England writing about Darth Vader and, and it's actual, you know, it's real Star Wars. Yeah. So that's, you know, you have to put that aside. Um, as a um, professional writer, it was, I, what I relished was the opportunity to tell so many different diverse stories mm-hmm. and to create so much, actually. I think, I, I can't believe really how much they let me get away with with these stories. Yeah. Um, and I know... You know, from the from the from the canon point of view, there's quite mm. a lot of plausible deniability because they're they're the stories that were that are told in universe. Right. Um, the idea being, you know, these are kind of the cautionary tales told to Luke and Leia at bedtime. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of thing. But all kind of myths and fables like that always have a um, some level of truth in them, right. or generally have some level of truth in them, or um, or at least truism in them. So um, kind of. What I love about it is the fact that, you know, these stories have changed with Chinese whispers in the telling, perhaps, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the the Vader story in the first book, uh, you know, he's, he's this mythical boogeyman character. Right. But it's clear to the reader that actually there's probably something happened where Vader came and destroyed a city. Yeah. And this is how it's been encoded in that culture and that mythology mm-hmm. of that culture. And, and, um, and the, um, implications of it, and um, and that's one of the that's one of the, the the joys about, particularly with the Vader stories. Actually, there's there's a Vader story in Darth in Dark Legend as well, um, where you really I kind of wanted to explore the psychology of of the people around the impact he has on people, right? Um, force choking. Uh, you know, um, some unwary commander to death, and then the next person steps up and takes his place. Yes, Lord Vader, I'll right, right. sort it out. And you th- and then when Vader leaves the room, what happened? They're, they're around looking at the guy on the floor. Maybe next to. Um, so um, kind of that's that's really where that story came from. It was kind of looking at different aspects of the Star Wars universe and trying to um, to tell interesting stories. I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And that's hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I think that's one of the uh really cool things about these books is you know, as a reader, you're reading them and you're like, okay, this I know who this is kind of about, and I'm just curious to see how it sort of fits like in universe. Like, did this happen? Is this, you know, a legend as the book says? And I think that's a really cool thing about, you know, just finding out if you know. If at some point there's confirmation about any of this, um, but it's written in such a cool way. Um, and I'm curious, like, did you bring this idea forward to uh, Lucasfilm or did they approach you about, Hey, we want to do these kinds of stories. Um, and we think you'd be the right guy to do it. Um, that's me. I was, I was really very lucky actually in this, um, that I'd, I'd got talking to Michael Siglane, who's the creative director at Lucasfilm publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, Socially at San Diego Comic Con, uh, a mutual friend introduced us, um, Kevin Scott. You might well have talked yep. to him before. Yep. Um, 
introduced us and we just had a, a drink socially and found we had lots of um, common interests, particularly in um, kind of old 70s horror movies and mm. that kind of thing. And, um, you know, as you do when you've, you've met someone and got on with someone, we followed each other on social media right. afterwards and didn't really think much more of it. Um, but in the interim, after, uh, following San Diego, I, I published a, a new book and it was kind of a, was a horror novel called Witchwood. And it's a like a supernatural crime novel. It's a um, police procedural, mm-hmm. but with uh, lots of mythology in it. Um, so it's kind of a, a modern day serial killer recreating these horrible scenes from mythology. Right. Um, and at New York Comic Con later the same year, I ended up having a drink with Mike and um, at, a, at, a, at a do. And he took me to one side and said, I bought Witchwood. I saw it on Twitter and I bought it and I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I was really fascinated by what you did with the mythology in the book, you know, because it's this whole story about the carrying king. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, is that, is that real mythology from, from England? And I said, no, no, it's fictional. I, you know, I created that mythology for the book. Mm-hmm. And he went, wow. Okay. Would you be interested in doing that? But for Star Wars, <laughs> I kind of nearly dropped my drink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his hand off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's where the, the the initial kind of idea came from. So he'd, he'd read one of my books and gone mythology and Star Wars. Right. Um, and and you know, so following that, I basically kind of, I mean, obviously, I loved the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, mythology is kind of a, a is a, a a huge passion of mine. So I went away and went back to original Grimm's fairy tales, Aesop's fables, you know, all these kind of myths. Quite surprised actually to go back, particularly to Grimm's fairy tales and see quite how dark they are. Mm -hmm. They're quite, you know, um, hardcore. Um, And put together a load of ideas to pitch to um, Mike and the team at Lucasfilm. Right. So I kind of went back with like 20 ideas. Wow. Um, And then... um, I was lucky enough to actually be traveling in the start. So I called in at Lucasfilm um, and picked the ones that we felt gave a, a, a best spread for mm-hmm. myths and fables, the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a few extra suggestions, which we put in there as well, uh, particularly with the Batu stuff where we, you know, in the, in the process of kind of firming up the, the, what the book was going to be, right. there'd been discussions with Galaxy's Edge about doing a Batu special edition, which is what's just come out now. Um, so we decided we wanted to add a few stories that were set up on Batu. So mm. we, we played around with um, the lineup, and then I went away and wrote the, the first batch of stories. Um, and um, and yeah, I mean that's that's the end result. We you know we, we 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 wrote more stories than we needed for the original book, knowing that we were going to do special editions. Right. Um, and then later, and even at that point, we had so many kind of dark stories that Mike was saying, oh, we're going to do a Halloween book as well. We're going mm-hmm. to do a, a dark stories book as well. Um, so that became, can, became a no brainer to basically keep going after we'd finished myths and fables and, right. and the extra stories just to go, all right, let's just roll into the, right. the horror stuff. And, um, and do some X because we, we had some story ideas from the first book that we thought would work in the, in the second book. Mm-hmm. And then we added loads of new ones as well. Yeah. And I'm curious, what was that experience like writing dark legends versus myths and fables, which is more like of a fantastical um, kind of book with some dark stories, but dark legends was just, you know, like you said, it was, it was a Halloween <laughs> book. It was like straight, yeah. you know, 
like scary stories set in that universe. So what, what was the difference? Um, if there really was any with, with writing that one versus myths and fables. It was, I suppose it was, it's, it's the content and the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the first book, we really wanted to give a spread of the different types of fables and, and, and idea, you know, so you've got cautionary tales, right. Right. Um, but you've got moral tales, you've got stories with happy endings. You've got, you know, um, basically, you know, the, there's, in the in the spine of each story, there's there's usually like a, a some kind of moral that's like you know behave well and and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that kind of right. thing. And um, so we wanted that spread, and we want we also wanted a spread of the kind of the types of things that represent the Star Wars universe. So we wanted mm-hmm. a droid story, and we wanted a smuggler story. You know, um, so we're looking at those different aspects with dark legends. We just went well. Let's go deep into the horror of Star Wars. Where, what's the scariest stuff? Right. Um, and obviously, you know, the the dark side is the is the place to start. So mm-hmm. there's lots of Sith in there, but I also wanted to get the Night Sisters in, mm-hmm. um, and look at things like classic horror movies um, or classic horror stories, and kind of go, what are those tropes, and how can we flip them on their head and do them in Star Wars? So right. you know, there's a a werewolf style story. There's a Jekyll and Hyde style story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the kind of monkey's paw with the mask. Yeah. Um, so kind of taking some of those classic tropes and drilling deeper into them and going, all right, let's, let's, let's do this, but let's do it in a star Wars way. Right. Right. Uh, and the, the, the main difference actually between the right. And the two things was that I kept sending in the stories for, um, Dark Legends and Mike kept coming out going, make it darker, make it wow. darker. You can go further. You can go further. Right. I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that kind of unlocked that book for us, mm. um, that set the tone for everything, was that was the first story with the Grand Inquisitor. Because mm-hmm. um, during that phase, we went through you know a, a similar phase where I was kind of generating loads of ideas um, to, to put to the guys, and um, I was rewatching Rebels with my son, just to get myself in the headspace. Yeah, and there was just one one particular scene in in one of the early episodes where the Grand Inquisitor just turned to look at the screen and look out of the screen, and he had his yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. I just thought it's not for R two, and then yeah, and I went and immediately emailed Mike and was like, "Grand, I think that's all the email said. The Grand Grand Inquisitor has Nosferatu, and he just wrote back in capitals, "We must do this. We must do this." <laughs> um, so that became the kind of linchpin story, which kind of set the tone for how we were going to do the book. I wrote that one first, right, and we bounced it around. Um, and following that, kind of, I went right. Well, now I know where I'm at mm-hmm. in, in terms of tone and, and how dark I can go, because obviously they're they're all ages books. They're intended to be right. great for adults, but also suitable for younger people to read as well. Right, so and I, 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 I get that right. yeah, I, I really love the fact that you brought up that that's immediately who you thought of because I'd be remiss not to mention the artwork by Grant Griffin oh, wow. for these books. Yeah. And when I opened that first page and I saw the Grand Inquisitor, I'm like, that is Nosferatu. Like just made up to look like him. It was perfect. That was the art brief. I mean, that was it. It was, you know, for for a lot of these stories, you do a suggested art brief. And obviously Lucasfilm put their um, come as well. And for that one, it was just the Grand Inquisitor as Nosferatu stood before a big window. Yeah. And and that's a grand just nail. Yeah. I feel so lucky to that he illustrated all these stories because you know that each story's got a, an amazing piece of art. Yeah, um, they're not just you know they're not sketches and they're not, I mean that was that was also part of the process really that um, 
I did such detailed outlines for each story mm-hmm. to, so that Lucasfilm could put their input in before I, I actually wrote them that Grant worked from the outlines while I was writing the stories. So mm-hmm. quite often I was getting like what Grant called a sketch, which is actually a work of genius. Yeah. Would, would land in my inbox and be like, how about this for, you know, at the Night Sister? How about this for, you know, and I was like, <gasps> and it would yeah. inspire me to kind of, and he'd put little touches in that I would then feed back into the, the stories as well. Right. And um, yeah, it, it feels like these art pieces could exist on your wall. Like that's, yeah. they, they are literal pieces of art. And um, like that coupled with the stories that you wrote, it just, it's like this perfect combination of, um, you know, matching the words to the picture and vice versa. Um, what was your favorite, maybe a couple favorite stories that you wrote uh, for both books? If you had to pick. If I had to pick, it's like, it's like choosing your favorite child, yeah. but um, <laughs> there's a few. Um, I loved writing The Witch and the Wookiee. That was an early story, again, mm-hmm. that set hope for that first book for me. Um, and I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed writing that one. But I think my favorite stories are probably the two Darth Kaldos stories across the two books. Um, and again, that that's, that's a little bit of that is that inventive side of things I was talking about earlier about being able to contribute something new. And it's right. kind of like, here's a, here's a fully fledged Sith character who he's kind of, he's now made it into the star Wars canon. Um, and we've had two stories about him. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. those. In fact, you know, that, that second story in dark legends, uh, with the night sisters mm. could have been a novel by the, you know, I was, I overwrote, like it was twice the length I had to go right, back right. and put it down because I, I could have just kept going, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think they were favorites. Um, let me have a look at the, the book. Actually, the book. I mean, um, I think writing the, um, the Vader story, the predecessor for dark legends as well mm-hmm. was huge. Um, there's a um, you know a couple of other favourites. I think that I, I actually really enjoyed writing the Darth Maul story. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, that's you have in the special edition, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Fables. So that's yeah, um, kind of, and that was that was a brilliant kind of thing that happened with Lucasfilm is that I was um, able to I, I pitched a story idea basically, and um, I think it was Pablo who turned around and said, "Oh, well, why don't we just make this Darth Maul's origin story?" Right. Pardon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it fits Darth Maul, doesn't it? it fits, the story fits Darth I was like, <gasps> get to write Darth Maul's origin story. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is awesome. Um, and, you know, I've been desperate to tell people, but obviously it's it's only just come out in the in the Parks edition. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so that was, that was another kind of key moment for me as well. Um, but, I mean, just, it's it feels like such a privilege to be able to, to delve into these bits of Star Wars um, lore and... Mm-hmm. Um, like writing the Batu stories was was great as well because yeah. you know before I ever got to go to Batu, I've been I've been since to Galaxy's Edge, but mm-hmm. um, before I even got to go there, I'd, I'd had like a hundred page document come through, which was the all the work that the Imagineers had done putting the Galaxy's Edge history together. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. The world building is just phenomenal. Though the work they put into that. Right. Um, so again, to be able to go, okay, well, I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to add this to it and mm-hmm. bring or, or tell it tell it in this way and and add to that um and it's it's a, it's a real honor i mean they, they there's myself and a, a few of the other um writers who've written but two 
based um, fiction, they call us Batu historians yeah. in Galaxy's Edge, and it's kind of like, wow, you know, yeah, I'm a Batu historian. <laughs> <laughs> right. That that's one thing that I because uh, I live in Orlando, so well, Disney World is like 20 minutes down oh, the road. Wow. So wow, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those experiences that no matter how many times you go it's still like you're going for the first time. There's always something new that catches your eye. And then when you read these stories, it's like, oh gosh, well, this, this looks exactly like um, the description of, of, you know, a, a certain location or, or anything like that. And, and it's just really cool to make those connections. Um, yeah. But on the flip side, you know, you mentioned uh, some of your favorite stories. Are there any stories that didn't make the books or did you have so much that you were able to kind of, cut them down to such a length that they all could fit in some way. Oh, no. So, I mean, in terms of the original kind of documents mm-hmm. or ideas, I, there's, there's loads that didn't make it to it. And there's, mm. there's some that I um, adored and would love to have got in. And, it, it, you know, some of them just didn't work. In right. A, in a, you know, I was trying to do something that maybe didn't work as well with Star Wars. Mm. Um, whereas others worked perfectly well, but they just didn't fit the tone. So, you know... Um, the, the, you know, one idea, uh, I, you know, I won't go into the story, but I kind of have like Excalibur style idea that I really liked with the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it wouldn't, we couldn't make it work with myths and fables to get the bounce right because we had other, other beats we wanted to hit. Yeah. So I kind of thought, well, maybe I can fit that into Dark Legends. But by the time I got to Dark Legends, it was like, yeah, the tone's wrong because it's not really a horror story. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't fit. So it kind of just get, you know, parked for the time being. Right. Um, you know, and, I keep saying to the guys, I'll keep writing these as long as you, as long as you want them. You know, right, so, right. You know, I, I just tell me and I'll do more. Um, um, well, so we'll have to see if, if I ever get a chance to, to revisit some of those. Right. Um, so yeah, so there were quite a few story ideas that, that, that didn't make the cut uh, for whatever reason. Um, I think there's only one story that I actually wrote that didn't make it. Um, and I just couldn't get it to work. It was, mm-hmm. I was I tried to do something with um, the clones Okay. Um, a, a myth a myth about the clone army um and i just it, i wasn't happy with it it just wasn't it, it didn't click mm-hmm. it need, um, you know and that happens to to writers all the time you know when you especially when you write i mean i think it's like 25 stories between these two right books um so you kind of get to the point where you go well if 25 out of 26 worked out well i'm happy yeah for sure um so um so yeah so you know we'll see if I ever get to revisit any of those stories. Nothing's ever wasted. Oh yeah. Right. Right. And, and I'm sure that especially as um, new stories are written and, and produced on TV as we get further along in the timeline, I'm sure that, you know, whether you can get into some sequel trilogy stuff with maybe the Knights of Ren, that would be super cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's you're yeah absolutely right. I think that's 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 the. I mean that even happened with Dark Legends and there's, there's one story set in Exegol. Yeah. Um, and that that was the last story I wrote for the um for the for the book because I had to wait until the, the movie came out. You mm-hmm. know, I, I had some conversations with the guys, but basically that was never in any of the pitch documents. And and they came back to me and went, "We want you to do a episode nine tie-in story." Well, you know, we can give you some of the information now. So I got a little bit and I could put together a story idea. Right. Um, and I had some phone calls with them and I kept saying to them, only tell me what I need to know so that it doesn't spoil the movie for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to read the script. I don't want to know the full ins and outs of everything. I just want to know the sliver yeah. that will allow me to tell this story uh, pr- 
properly without spoiling and and thankfully you know that that worked really well so i still mm. got to enjoy the movie um but yeah i mean i think that's that like you say that was in process seeing it happen in process where we went oh let's, there's an opportunity here let's mm-hmm. add an extra story and let's do um a, an episode nine tie-in and i think you're right we, we down the future you know we can all these initiatives they've got whatever films are coming out or you know the obi-wan tv show right or in um you know the bad batch if if there's if there's an if there's more movies well mm-hmm. i'm sure there will be more movies um you know and the high republic publishing right. initiative they're, they're all going to generate new content new eras new characters mm-hmm. um because that's because that's what star wars is it's it's constant mythology generation right uh, so um you know touch wood mm-hmm. there'll be a chance to come back and, and go okay well let's 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 look at some of those things and, and see what stories we can tell right in the same style yeah, and I really hope you get that chance because these books are, are fantastic. Um, Thank you. And yeah, of course. And there was one story in particular that when I was reading it, I knew exactly who it was about. I knew when I would watch the movie, I would think about that story and it would change it completely. And the story right. I'm talking about is uh, The Knight and the Dragon. All right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, when you were writing that story, like, <laughs> you know, tying that back into. And I'm assuming that it's, you know, Ben Kenobi and the Tuscan Raiders uh, on Tatooine. Yep. When you were writing it, how did that feel like getting to add some more depth to that relationship with, with the Tuscan Raiders and Obi-Wan? Sort of being this, you know, mythical creature in their eyes. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the whole point of that story, I think you're absolutely right. And that, that was the intention. And it's, you know... Again, it's one of those things that it's it's so, it's so transmuted by myth. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, crate dragons don't have wings, for example. Right. You know, we know that from the from seeing the skeletons, mm-hmm. we know they don't have wings. They do in the story, so that gives you a hint to the, the level of mythology that's developed around it. Right. Um, so it was kind of like mythologizing the beast and mythologizing Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're both kind of mythical entities and and this is this is a, the story as it's told amongst the sand people now right um essentially is, is the idea behind it um so yeah so you know did ben kenobi interact with um the tuscan raiders at some point and and um and save some of them from a, a great dragon probably yes that's mm-hmm. probably a story that really happened on on tatooine mm-hmm. it's the sort of thing he'd do let's face right, it you know right. um did it happen exactly that way well no um mm-hmm. but you know that's there's like I say there's a kernel of truth in in in, in all of these stories hopefully yeah um so yeah I mean yeah what an opportunity to I mean that's that's the thing if you if you go through the book and you look at the the different characters we got to to write about oh yeah uh, it's it's fantastic um and there's there's one story that no one's spotted who the character is either um it's and no one no one yet has mentioned to me that they've got they they've figured out who who it is so I'm I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> I was going to say, if you give it away, everybody's going to start tweeting at you and be like, "Oh, I know who it is." <laughs> as as uh, uh, as Twitter usually does its its work in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think um, we'll keep that keep that one going for a while yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, staying on the topic of of that book in particular, um, well, actually, both books. I mean. We're when we get Star Wars storytelling, it's usually 
um, you know, a story with a with a central plot. We get introduced to all these new characters, but this book with all these different stories that, like you said, they all have a kernel of truth in them, but we don't know if that's, you know, what actually happened and the way everything went down. Um, in your opinion, you know, why do you think these books in such a vast galaxy like Star Wars uh, are important to sort of just add to the depth and just the overall mystery of, uh, of Star Wars itself? Ooh, that's a good question. And I mean, I guess it's difficult for me to talk about the importance of my own work, you know, yeah. without sounding like I'm <laughs> blowing my own trumpet. Um, but I guess the starting point for these is, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's myth. It starts in fable and myth and mm-hmm. legend. That's, that's Star Wars is, is, is exactly that. It's being told to us mm-hmm. on screen by someone, you know, whoever that person is who writes those opening crawls. Right, and, right. You know, who's telling us a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was kind of, I was trying to get back to the core of Star Wars, if you see what I mean, yeah. by going, okay, let's, it's, let's go back to that, that, that myth, mythological way of telling stories, that, that idea of campsite, fireside tales, oral storytelling traditions, um, you know, um, that, that I, I think... George Lucas was tapping into when he first started work on, on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so there was a bit of that. Um, but also I, I just think it's about depth and richness as well um, in terms of kind of, if you can add the, the, the fiction of a world, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's very easy in, sci- in, in kind of science fiction, science fantasy stories to go, uh, that's an ice planet. That's a fire planet. That's a desert world. Mm-hmm. You know, Yes, those things exist, but actually, if you look at Earth, we've got all of those things. Right. But the Arctic Circle, we've got the Sahara Desert, you know, we've got the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. You know, all these ecosystems and cultures exist side by side. Um, so what's what what we can do with stories like this is is drill further into the cultures of those worlds right. and start to give you a sense of the the depth and the history of those those worlds and those cultures. Um, through the way that they've transmitted and, and changed these stories over the years and, and, and how, you know, how those cultures work. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, that was, that was an important part of it as well. It was, it was kind of just going, there's, there's more to these worlds and cultures than that cool alien guy in a rubber suit or that desert world. Mm-hmm. It's, there's more to it. There's right. a whole, and that's, you know, and that, and there is more to it because we've got years and years and years of Star Wars being built up by many, many multiple talented people, mm-hmm. writers, mm-hmm. visual artists, um, directors, you know, to name a few. So um, Star Wars is, is a, um, a shared endeavor across a huge amount of um, people and, um, and, and creatives. And, um, you know, we've started to, over the years, so that depth has, has, has grown richer and richer and richer. So for me, this it was a case of tapping into that and adding to that. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of building off of that, as you were writing this book and eventually when it came out and you saw the the fan reaction to it, how did that experience change you as a Star Wars fan? Did, did you just fall even more in love with, with the world, knowing how... Um, cool it can be to just create something new in it 
or, or were you still just like just still that same Star Wars fan that you've always been? Um, I think that same Star Wars fan I've always been mm-hmm. is still there. Yeah, it's still there, absolutely, and that's going to go away. And the, the per- person who still squeals, you know, when he when he sees a a, a droid, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I guess what was I expecting? I wasn't expecting it to be as embraced as warmly as it has been. I guess mm. um, it's it's been um, wonderful the, the 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 way people have latched onto these stories and in, and talking about these stories and engaged with it uh, with the books and and um, talking on social media about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also you know the general styles community and uh, people like yourself inviting me on to talk or um you know disney parks inviting me to go to the opening of the rise, uh, rise of the resistance ride you know yeah. I, I um there was a moment when i was there in in florida in galaxy Edge going i'm i'm in star wars yeah. you know I, I i made darth caldos lightsaber in savvy's workshop mm-hmm. you know it's like and it was like that weird confluence of like I'm getting I'm I'm getting to build a lightsaber and it's an amazing experience and I'm getting to build a lightsaber of a character that I created and added to the Star Wars canon and it was right. like two things coming together and um just those moments where you go you know um how did I get here yeah <laughs> how did this happen <laughs> right um it's it's which is incredible you know um so so yeah the I I've been overwhelmed by the response to the the books um and um, I can't thank people enough because I know, you know, fandoms can be tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, fandoms for all, all programs, films, book series can be, can be tricky sometimes. Um, I've not had a bad experience um, with people engaging about these books, which has been amazing, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with, with just how things can sort of get lost in translation on social media. It's always mm-hmm. great when when you just have that good experience on a daily basis, Um, which kind of leads me perfectly into the next uh, uh, second to last question here. But what was your favorite experience about working on these books? Was it just, and every time you would come up with a new idea, was it just like how willing people were to just tell you, just keep them coming. Like we're loving everything you're doing. I I think it's that. It's that. Exactly that, that response. Um, You know, just having, someone from Lucasfilm write back to you and say, you nailed it. This mm. is Star Wars. You go, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know, I want to frame that, that comment right. from that, the margins of my manuscript. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you know, every, every writer, especially when faced with, uh, um, something they've, they've cared about for so long, um, has a bit of kind of, um, anxiety about it. You know, there's a, mm. there's, imposter syndrome and all of that you, you kind of you go am i really up to this right this is star wars this is you know i'm going to get this right mm-hmm. um and then to have that validation come back and go yeah you, you you've done it and we want you to do more because we liked it mm-hmm. you know you go wow okay that's you know i can do this i can write star wars yeah and people like it it's and it's 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 this is an incredible feeling um yeah um but also, I mean, it's, you know, humbling as well when you when you look at the, like I was saying earlier, I mean, the sheer amount of work that's gone in to this universe is, you know, through everything from the, you know, the, the movie through the EU, through um, kind of everything that's going on these days with Disney. It's just incredible. It's, it's humbling to see. It's, it's, 
you know, there's there's very few things like Star Wars, mm-hmm. cultural phenomena like Star Wars, right. um, um, that you know is is so important to us, um, per, both personally, but as a you know, a, a, in terms of pop culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's it's quite humbling as well to be able to kind of to to, to stand in the shadow of all that and go, I'm scratching my name at the bottom as well. Yeah, you know that that's it's cool. Yeah, I f- I feel like fans when we look at um from the outside looking in we always say like oh my god if if i just had the chance to make some little mark in the star wars universe i mean that would make my life and um you know i was fortunate enough uh i worked at as a cast member in disney for a couple years and i got to go to the cast member preview for galaxy's edge wow and it was like it's such a different experience when the crowds aren't big that you really get to see the breadth and the scope of everything there. And then, as you mentioned, going to rise of the resistance, I haven't seen anything like that. You know, I, oh, it was unbelievable. It's like living a star Wars movie. Isn't yeah. It? I, so I describe it when I got, when I, I got off the phone, you know, the next day to my wife, I was like, I've, I've been in star Wars. Yeah. That's what, that's what it feels like. Right? You know, I, it's not a ride. It's, it's, it's it's much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, to this day I have no idea how they did that switch from getting onto the transport and then getting off and you're in that hangar. On I, know. Star I I still have no idea how they did that. A proper magic trick, isn't yeah. it? Because <laughs> you know you feel like you obviously you feel like you're on a shuttlecraft, right? But you know intellectually, actually, I'm in a box that's shaking. But then you're in a hangar. It's like, but it really did move. Yeah. Or did it? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it was yeah. it was absolutely crazy. And um just how on board the cast members are with yeah. you know just making it feel um completely immersive and the way that you have to, you know, you move from one area to the next and you're in that battle. Uh it's it's just really cool. And and for those of you who haven't gone yet, I know with the way things are right now, it's pretty difficult. Um, to get to the parks, but in the future, if y'all get a chance, please ride that yeah. ride because it is Absolutely. an amazing experience. Um, when, when the time's right and it's safe, that yeah. is got it's it's a must do for Star Wars fans. Absolutely, and then go and build a lightsaber because that is pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, again, that's a proper kind of emotional experience yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's not just you know. Again, the cynical thing part of you thinks well. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go and spend some dollars, and I'm gonna put some components together. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's a proper. You come away like, <gasps> right? Saber. <laughs> 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, so, George, I'm gonna leave you with this last question, which uh, mm. I usually save for uh, these Your Star Wars Journey episodes that I do, um, but I feel like it's it's appropriate for for this conversation. Um, okay. But it's a two-part question. You can answer it as deeply or as thoughtfully as you'd like. Uh, but it is, what does Star Wars mean to you? And how would your life be different if Star Wars did not exist? Wow. That's a deep question, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I've talked a little bit about the, the first part of the question mm-hmm. with, with Cav, actually. My, my, you know, my friend Cav. Um, and I think he put it really, really well. Um, and it's about family mm-hmm. um, and shared experience, and um, and 
you know, in Cav's case, you know, he, he talks about family, both kind of um, biological and found family. Right. Um, for for me, I think you know, it, I always come back to that early uh, experience with my granddad sitting watching Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, but from that point on, it's always been about family. It's been, um, you know, my dad uh, watching um, Return of the Jedi with my dad playing action figures with my cousin. Um, when I met my wife going to see the prequel trilogies at the cinema, my son, who's like 17 tomorrow, in fact, mm-hmm. um, having watching Clone Wars and Rebels with him and you know, and then introduced him to the movies and the books and sharing that thing with him. And then actually being able to talk to him about myths and fables when I was writing the books and saying, you know, do you think this is a good idea, James? Can you read the outlines of the stories for me? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Does that feel Star Wars enough? And being able to share that with him. And, you know, there was some, there's some ideas in those books where that he, he contributed. Yeah. Um, you know, he was my sounding board. Um, so it's kind of gone full circle. And I, and I, I hope to be able to do, you know, I've gone from being the kid sat with my grandfather to now being the dad, being sharing it with my children. Mm-hmm. I hope I'll be at some point be the, the grandfather sharing it with my grandkids as well. Right. Um, I hope Star Wars, and I think it will continue that long um, and, and, and beyond. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's what it is. That's what Star Wars means to me. It's, it's, it's what, it's kind of what I talked about earlier as well. It's that, um, that shared endeavor, right. You know, so it's it's a shared endeavour from the creative's point of view in terms of the people who've, who've written for Star Wars um, and acted in Star Wars and, you know, and all of that, and music and special effects and all of that. Um, but it's also a shared endeavour for us as fans mm-hmm. and people who, you know, who love it and talk about it and um, imagine ourselves in it and imagine, you know, further stories um you know that's all as as valid as anything else mm-hmm. um so um so yeah so that, i think that's that's what it is and i think how would my life be different without it um i think it'd be a bit more boring yeah <laughs> uh, um, i think i i you know it's been such an influence on my I, my my job these days and i feel very lucky to be in this position is as a full-time writer mm-hmm. um i write um steampunk novels and um adventure novels and i write obviously star wars doctor mm-hmm. who um warhammer um a lot of those things have um have a huge debt to star wars yeah um i i think it's a it's a really important part of my psyche but i i i and of pop culture in general so i don't think i'd be necessarily doing what i'm doing if it wasn't for star wars yeah i think it you know from an early age it, it imprinted on me and um and it, and it imprinted obviously on a, a lot of people and you know the, the people these days who are in charge of pop culture mm-hmm. who've risen to these positions are the people who grew up with star wars right so it's influenced them it's influenced their tastes it's influenced you know so when i write something that's not star wars you know it, uh, star wars is a shared language between between us regardless um and they can see the influence of it in my work or uh, we can talk about it and you go oh what else have you written mm-hmm. i've written star wars oh great let's yeah. you know i love star wars <laughs> you know boom, 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 boom. and it's it becomes a like a you know a, a share again a shared thing so mm-hmm. i think um 
I think it's played a huge part in making me the person I am and, and, um, and doing the job that I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I could speak for all of us when I say if, if any of us didn't have Star Wars or we were in a world where it didn't exist, it would be very, very boring. Um, it would be a trial. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to invent Star Wars if, if, right. if it didn't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody would have to be like, all right, we, we have to create this. Um, but George, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and talking about the books. Had such a great time. Uh, but before I let you go, if you want to maybe give a little shout out to anything you're working on right now and then let everybody know where they can find you online. Wow. Okay. So, so on, in terms of um, working on, on, on projects, um, Myths and Fables Special Edition, the Galaxy's Edge Edition has just come out, um, available from the, the parks. Um, I have a comic, an ongoing comic that if people like Star Wars, then I recommend they check out Engine Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue four's out uh, next week. Um, and that's a, that's a 12 issue comic that's running between now and, and July next year. Um, and I got a fantasy novella coming out towards the end of the year called broken things as well. So that's, um, very different, but, um, again, it's, it has its kind of roots in mythology and mythological storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. So people who've enjoyed these books might enjoy taking a look at that as well. Um, and the best place to find me online is just at Twitter, really, um, at George underscore man. Um, I'm usually there most days and find me any questions and I'll do my best to answer. Perfect. Well, thank you, George, again so much. And I hope everybody at home, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation. A lot of fun. And I hope you guys go out and get the book, um, both books, because they are absolutely wonderful to read and make sure to get dark legends since we're coming up on Halloween here in a couple of weeks. Um, so really good timing. Uh, but once again, thank you guys so much. Uh, remember we have episodes coming out every Monday at 11 o'clock and every Wednesday whenever we have a new Your Star Wars Journey episode. So thank you guys and until next week, may the Force be with you always. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.